This Boss Barista episode is brought to you by Ernex. If you've worked in the coffee industry, you probably know Ernex well. You've used their products to clean your equipment. You've attended an event that they've supported. You're probably even using Kefiza at home to clean your pots and pans. One of Ernex's latest advances is a range of environmentally friendly cleaners called BioCaf. BioCaf products are made entirely from plant and mineral-based ingredients and are fully biodegradable. They're available for both commercial and household coffee equipment, so you can use them at the cafe just as easily as you can use them at home. But Ernex is doing more than just making eco-friendly cleaners. They've partnered with people like me and several other coffee professionals to highlight some of the best sustainability efforts in the industry with the BioCaf Sustainability Series. I'm super excited to be part of this initiative and to have another platform to share my thoughts on topics like sustainability. Visit the Ernex website to read my recent piece on Onyx Coffee Labs switch to oat milk in their latest cafe and learn more about BioCaf by visiting www.ernex.com. Hey friends, welcome to Boss Barista, the podcast about workplace equity and employee empowerment in coffee and beyond. I'm Ashley Rodriguez. Today, I'm chatting with Jose Hueche, co-founder of Compadre, a coffee brand based in Peru. Jose, or Pepe as he goes by, is an industrial designer who got into coffee because of his friend, Juan Pablo. Juan Pablo invented a solar roaster, a machine that could roast coffee without electricity. And initially, Combadre worked to get these roasters into the hands of farmers. They learned that farmers were only paid a few dollars per pound for the coffees that they harvested, while roasters could fetch double, triple, even quadruple that amount. The roasters were meant to shift some of that value down the supply chain by empowering farmers to roast and sell their own coffees. A few years later, and Pepe is still working on raising wages for farmers, albeit in a slightly different way. In this episode, we talk about the shifts and pivots that Compadre has taken as Pepe and his team learned more and more about the economics of coffee buying and selling. The broad goal of Compadre is still the same, to shift value down to farmers, but they do so now by removing barriers that farmers face, like having to deal with unpredictable weather conditions and building a brand that connects farmers to consumers. I was introduced to Pepe and Compadre through my friend Ana Sofia Narvaez, who did a takeover episode of this podcast of June of 2021. And it's clear why she connected us. Compadre is a rare company that's been honest with how much their brand has shifted. And Pepe speaks to a lot of their early ideas about coffee and the needs of farmers. Rarely do people admit they're wrong or that they've misunderstood something. But Pepe's goal has always remained the same to serve farmers first. And that's involved a lot of honest reflection and a willingness to learn, change, and do better. Here's Pepe. And we're getting a countdown on this. So Pepe, I was hoping you could start just by introducing yourself. Okay, I'm Pepe. I'm from Peru. I... I've been working in coffee uh, since 2015, uh, so 2014, and actually we started 
more uh, with the technological part related to coffee, uh, more related to the roast. Can you tell me a little bit about coffee in Peru? I know that's a very big question, but what does when someone asks you what is coffee like there, what do you say to them? Uh, I would say it's it's complex, it's it's diverse. <laughs> Those would be the, the the main the main things I would say. You can find great coffees, people working really really well. Um, in the consuming part here in in the cities. Uh, and also in the in the producing areas, the consumption is growing, and you can find people working really well. But you can also find the other side, right? Uh, people not doing a very good job. Uh, people that has have to see a, a lot of work to do, right? Are you drinking coffee right now? Actually, I am. I'm drinking a coffee coming from the central jungle that a friend from a cooperative gave me. It's a, a natural, a bourbon. It's, it's, it's quite, uh, it's very sweet. It's very sweet, very fruity. Uh, I really like this coffee. Uh, you can find like many profiles, different profiles here, whether if it's coming from, some, from the central jungle, the north or the south. We have th those three main producing areas, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's easy. People always want to classify a country as like one way or another, like coffee from this country tastes like this, co coffee from this country tastes like that. Um, and even myself, I found myself wanting to ask you that question, like what does coffee from Peru taste like? And I was like, no, there are microclimates, <laughs> there's diversity, like exactly. you were saying. Um, I was wondering exactly. if you could tell me a little bit about Compadre, which is the company that you co-founded. Um, how would you describe what Compadre does? Well, um, Compadre is a, a brand of, of, of roasted coffee. We work with specialty coffee. And we started actually, as, as I was saying, as a tech company. We started developing technology to process coffee. Uh, actually, to roast coffee and to roast it in a sustainable way using solar energy. And that's how we started. That was in 2015 we started operations. And our model at the beginning was to, to build these machines and to try to sell these machines to the farmers so they can process their own green coffee, their own parchment coffee. And they can add some value and they can sell roasted coffee because the beginning, we knew nothing about coffee, actually. We started yeah. more with this technological part. Yeah, wait, I want to I wanna go backwards on that because you mentioned that you, you guys didn't know anything about coffee when you first started. So let's go back to when you first started Compadre. What, what, what drove you to start this company? Like, who, who were you folks before this started? <laughs> so I had a friend. I have a friend. He's a mechanical engineer, and he, was, he did a project a research project in university for his for his thesis uh, undergrad thesis and he built together with other engineers and designers a machine that could roast coffee only with some mirrors and the sunlight so that was his project and some years later i was doing other kinds of project with with this friend his name is juan pablo and we were traveling around the jungle. We were doing projects with native communities, with schools. 
and we loved to work there in the jungle. The, the Peruvian jungle has a special vibe for me, and we kind of fell in love with that. And we, we, we decided we wanted to work with that, and we encouraged this, this, uh, this friend to make something with the solar roaster and uh, to have some impact in these communities, right? And, and a lot of these communities were coffee or cacao communities. Um, so that's how we encouraged him to, to present this project to a contest here. Uh, in this contest, he needed some partners. So he told me and another friend, Fiorella, uh, who is an anthropologist, he's a mechanical engineer and I'm an industrial designer. He told us, um, okay, we need a team. I need a team to present uh, my project in this contest. Can you be part of the, the team? Uh, and by that time, there was another friend who was a doc, a PhD in uh, solar concentrated energy. <laughs> so we had a lot of chances to win with, <laughs> with our project. And we presented it and we won. So we get some funding to start the project, to start developing the, the first machine and to start the pilot uh, with, with one of, of the farmers we found at the beginning, right? So mm -hmm. that, that's how we started. Uh, that's wild. The logical part. Yeah. That's so cool. I love that this was just a project that uh, Juan Paulo like, had designed years ago, it seems. And you found a new application for it. Was it obvious? What, at what point did it become clear that this could be a project, the solar roaster, that could impact farmers? I mean, since the beginning, since the beginning, we 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 tried to look uh, to find what would be the impact for this, and we, as we knew nothing about coffee, we only saw okay. So, how much are farmers receiving here for his parchment coffee? And you go to Origin, you ask a farmer at that moment, the price of coffee was like less than two dollars per kilogram coffee. Um. And we found that you can find coffee, roasted coffee um, for around $10, $8. So we said, okay, so if, if the farmer can roast the coffee, um, he can keep those $8 <laughs> in right. his pocket, right? So that's the, the impact. Uh, and that's, that was our na naive <laughs> um, value proposition at the beginning, right? But then we start working, we soon realize how the value chain worked and what was the main problem, right? That, that is the, the distance, the huge distance be, between the farmers and the final consumers. So that's when we said, okay, we have to build a brand so we can commercialize this coffee with this, with this story and we can ensure the good prices for the farmer, right? Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you were able to look at the value chain and kind of see that immediate gap because I don't think that that's necessarily, it's obvious, but not, you know what I mean? That like, oh, if the farmer is selling his coffee for $2 a pound and the roaster is selling it for $10 per pound, let's transfer that value over to the farmer by giving them the power to roast green coffee which is really interesting, especially because you guys didn't have a background in coffee at all. So mm -hmm. being able to identify that seems really powerful. But like you said, it was 
I'm not going to call it naive, but you called it naive. Um, <laughs> but I, what, at what point did you realize that this wasn't going to be enough? Like what you mentioned that you started to learn more about the value chain. What were you learning that told you, oh, this isn't going to be enough to change this? Um, it, it was when we started, when we did the first machine, improved machine, and we did a meeting with uh, different farmers, different cooperatives. Um, different actors related to coffee. We show it and they started asking questions, right? And everyone said, okay, so cool. That's so creative, so, so innovative, but nobody really wanted it. <laughs> and we started asking, okay, why? And then asking questions, we, we soon realized, okay, how are they going to sell it, right? We were in Cusco, it's in the south of Peru, and we say, okay, <laughs> we are kind of really far from the from the final consumer. How how are they gonna get there, right? And we said, okay, we are we live in Lima, that it's the main market, let's say. Uh, so we'll have to commercialize this coffee. They they will have to send the coffee. Uh, they will have to produce the coffee, and they will have to send it to us in Lima, and we will have to sell it. And that was the first change in our model. Yeah. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know if it was this simple, but the, it sounds like the initial idea you had was that we have this solar roaster. Farmers can have access to it because the infrastructure to operate the solar roaster is minimal. And we're going to be able to transfer value over to the farmers by giving them these roasters but there was no infrastructure on how that coffee was actually going to physically get to consumers is that right yeah i mean it's the infrastructure but it's also like the knowledge right 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 you, you need to kind of operate a a company to sell coffee to a final consumer right it's related to marketing related to finance related to a lot of things right um, mm -hmm relationships uh, with other brands or distributors so uh, it was a lot of work that the farmer i mean the farmer already has a lot of work right in the farm right so it, it was a little bit too much right, and, and then our, our next kind of model it was okay we'll sell the coffee the, the farmers in our impact model it was okay we pay uh, good prices between 20 to 70% more than the market price was paying, depending on the quality we would find in the community. And then we install a solar facility where people from the community, a lot of them, the farmers that sold the, the coffee to us, they could go there and they would work uh, in the sorting of the coffee, uh, the classification and the roasting, and they would get paid for that, right? Mm -hmm. So that was our second model. <laughs> Interesting. So there was still opportunity for ro for farmers to roast their coffee, but but there was an added level of infrastructure where Compadre would help sell the coffee and market the coffee. Is that right? No. And then we kind of pivoted that too. I mean, when we had that model, we started growing the commercial part. And we saw, of course, the, the capacity of the technology. It was not enough. So we said, okay, what do we do? Shall we try to roast coffee with a regular gas roaster? Or we just stay with our 
solar roasted coffee. And we say, okay, if we want to make an impact in the farmers, if we want to buy with good prices to more farmers from the community, we have to sell more coffee. And that's when we started doing this uh, hybrid production with solar and gas production, right? And that did was you have to, next Did month. you have to rethink the way that you thought about sustainability at that point? Because I can imagine, you know, going back to that presentation that, you know, Juan Pablo is grabbing you and grabbing all your partners. Um, part of what made that really exciting is that you have the solar powered roaster that it doesn't need electricity but then you as you start to work with farmers and realize oh like the the things we need are way bigger we have to think about sustainability different was that a conversation that you folks were having yeah we had a lot uh, a lot of that conversation it was mainly when we when we had that pivot point where we said okay shall are we going to roast coffee with the sun or we are going to roast coffee with uh, a regular gas roaster and we said okay what are let's sit together and let's define what are our main values or our main goals right do we are we compatible because we roast coffee with the sun or are we compatible because we want to make a change or we want to make a positive impact in the farmer right we said okay the farmer is first that's the first thing, the first priority. If we can do it with solar energy, right now would be amazing. But if we cannot do it, we still have to make an impact and we still have to uh, keep working in a future where we can be more sustainable in, in the energetical part or in the production part. Um, that was second, right? And what is coming across both of them should be quality. Uh, quality should be, should be always there too, right? So that's how we define our operations. And that's how we also started planning ahead, right? It seems like in six years of operating a business that has drastically changed over that time too, you have learned so much about how value is created in the coffee industry. Yes, yes, it it it's been a wild journey. Uh, <laughs> we've learned a lot. We've, I mean, something good I would say we've done since the beginning. It was that we tried to spend a lot of time, most of the time, in the farms, right next to the farmer, and trying to understand how things were working over there, right. Because you can see here from the city, you can see a lot of initiatives, a lot of certifications, a lot of programs. But what is really happening in the farm where it's supposed to, where you are supposed to see the impact and you go there and there are not many examples uh, that are really working or working the way they should, right? So it, it was good for us to travel a lot and try to understand how it was working and how we can uh, or how we want to be part of that change, right? And it's it's so complicated. That's why we, we've been changing a lot because we were testing many things. But actually, we, we're still thinking what's the best way, right? We are still trying different things. Right now, we are uh, with other projects. Right. Uh, different projects. Is there any lessons or experiences that you had on coffee farms that you particularly remember or 
were exceptionally like mind changing for you? Um, I'm sure I have many. <laughs> you can put the topic, and I'll tell you a story if you want. We wanted farmers to uh, sell their own coffee, their roasted coffee, at some point, but when we started asking some farmers how they used to move their their coffee from from their farm to sell it they would sell it in the in the closest city some of them they would um take take their their coffee bags like 60 kilograms of coffee in their shoulders and they would walk between 5 to 8 hours just to sell one bag of coffee Right from it was uh, at least ten years ago. They most of the farmers they would do that, right? And actually, mm-hmm. you can still find some farms that are very high up, and and you cannot find uh, roads, and they have to just carry carry the, the coffee bags in their shoulders. So yeah, they have to do all that work just to get to the closest city to sell it as parchment coffee or dry coffee. How were they going to? try even to sell roasted coffee, right? It was crazy. One of the things that your website mentions is that you focus on two two principles, on technology and indigenous communities. So I was wondering why, why indigenous communities? Why was that a specific goal that you wanted to focus on? Um, I mean, we started, we have a, a special... I don't know how to say, like feeling with mm-hmm. uh, indigenous communities because we started our uh, our trips to the jungle with working with indigenous communities, um, a Shaninka community. That was the name of the of of, of these indigenous uh, people, and it it's not the only uh, kind of community we work with. Actually, we right now we start. Uh, working with different farmers that are have organic production that have a uh, good quality coffee above eighty two points in cup, uh, and that are small coffee farmers. Right, we try to focus more in 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 the smaller max or medium uh, coffee farmers, medium size. Sorry, um, if it's from a indigenous community, even better because we are trying. We try to encourage them to keep uh, their jobs in the communities they live, right? Because they are um, they have such a strong culture uh, in their own communities, and we've been we we have spent so much time there, and we we find this special way of living in harmony. With nature in harmony with them working together, that we feel it's something it should keep alive, right? <laughs> and mm-hmm. but we are also we've also seen that a lot of these young people from these communities they have to go to to the nearest city to find another job and have uh, more incomes, right? So it's possible to encourage them to stay with because they want to stay, but they just don't have the opportunities over there. So if we can encourage that, that would be uh-huh. awesome. It sounds like you're saying that in the remote communities that you go to, there is a very strong 
um, indigenous culture and that's being threatened by people leaving because they have to get job opportunities. So the work that you're trying to do is to preserve people's ability to stay within their communities and to essentially let their culture thrive in those communities. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's a huge, um, a huge goal. Of course, we cannot do it by ourselves, but if we can uh, help a little bit with that, that would be awesome. Is there a specific reason why you want to focus on indigenous communities in particular? I know you've mentioned that that's not the only people that you work with, but did you realize that indigenous communities in particular were being threatened or were losing some of like their access to their own culture because they couldn't sustain on what was being produced in their own communities? Um Indigenous communities, they have kind of special values or rules on how to live or how to protect their land or how to protect their own people, their own, their own forest, that um, I think it's something we have to support somehow, right? Right. Um, because it's, it's a good way of living. Of course, it's, it's, it's not a rule. It's, I'm, I'm being general. But it's something, a pattern you can see in native communities, right? And that's for us very, it has a lot of value. Mm -hmm. That totally makes sense. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what Compadre's current iteration is looking like. Because as <laughs> you mentioned, you've had a lot of iterations, which I think is really unique for a company, not necessarily to have a lot of iterations. I think that that happens to a lot of community or a lot of companies, but I think it's unique that you're very upfront about it because that says to me that you're willing to listen to farmers. And even as you mentioned, traveling to different farmers in different communities, it seems like a lot of the solutions that you've generated have come from those conversations. Yes, 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 yes. And I, actually, as, as we are like part of many parts of the value chain, we can also have a bigger picture of how things are working and what things should be done. Um, right now, what we are doing, I mean, after the pandemic or during the pandemic, we, we, I mean, it was so difficult for us to keep operations in the jungle with farmers um, because most of the coordinations, we did it by being there because the communication, the technological part, um, they are not used to coordinate if they don't see you, right? Right. Um, so it, it was kind of complicated to keep that model. So we had to find a partner in one of the cities in the jungle, specialist. He's a, also a big grader, he's a roaster, he's a specialist in coffee. So we have to partner uh, with him and he would be kind of the, the one who visited the farms, the one who, who talked to the farmers. He was the one that uh, started projects and we were more focusing more in the quality part. He would go to the farms um, and make suggestions. We started um, doing projects with a couple of farmers, trying different kind of fermentations. So um, he had all the tools necessary uh, to, to measure the, the pH, the temperature, and the, the bricks right in, right and then and he would cut 
those coffees and, and we will try to uh, kind of choose the, the right fermentation process for each, each, each coffee. And then we would support these farmers with uh, infrastructure, meaning drying for the drying process, solar dryers. We installed a couple of solar dryers, one of them like a conventional solar dryer, and another it was with a new development we did to improve the drying process. Because we saw that one of the biggest problems, uh, it was the drying. Yeah, can you talk a little bit about that? Just just for people who maybe don't even know what the drying process is for coffee, mm -hmm. like how are you seeing it, and like what would what that look like for farmers? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I mean, after the farmers pick the coffee, uh, deep pulp or ferment the coffee and wash it, they have to put it into a dryer, or they have to dry. They have to go from I don't know fifty five or forty five percent of humidity. They have to reach around 10 to 12 percent uh, of humidity but they have to do it in a proper way in a consistent way so they can reach also um, a water activity under 0 0.7 0 0.6 I would, I, I would I would would be better right and and, and you need consistency for that right and if you are doing for example naturals or natural uh, process it's it's super important that the first days you have consistency in the drying process and of course the better coffees the best coffees you can find them above 1500 meters above sea level mm -hmm. and some areas above that altitude are very humid very humid uh, the temperatures are quite low during the night, so you lose a lot of consistency in the drying process, right? Because mm -hmm. you lose humidity, and then one day it rained a lot, and it, the humidity went up, so it's, it's so chaotic. Sometimes farmers with great coffees, they have to just take their, own, their coffee and put it uh, in, a, in a regular mechanical roaster, right? And they lose a lot of quality. Or... As it happened to one of our farmers, he wanted to do natural. Last year, he did great naturals. And this year, he spoiled all his naturals because the weather was, when, when we harvest, when he harvested, the weather was really bad. He had like four days, very humid uh, days, and, 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 and the naturals, they, they got spoiled. This is a, I think this is a really key thing. I just want to stop for a minute just because I want to make sure that people understand like how important mm -hmm. it is that like the weather affects how coffee tastes. Um, and I yeah. think that that's taken for granted. I think people assume most of the people who listen to this podcast are coffee people. I think a mm -hmm. lot of people know this intuitively mm -hmm. or, or at least have some experience with this, but lately more people who don't know coffee very well have been listening. Okay. So I just want to make sure that people understand that like, if it rains too early, your coffee can be messed up. Um, mm -hmm. And drying, especially naturally processed coffee, where the cherry of the stays around the coffee bean um, can be really volatile because that takes that can take anywhere from like one to three weeks to dry. So you really need to have consistent temperatures to make sure that those coffees dry not only mm -hmm. correctly but consistently. As you were saying, that one mm -hmm. cherry isn't, you know. 40% moisture, and then the other one's 10% moisture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I wanted to make sure that that was super clear. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, seems easy. Right, <laughs> it seems easy. <laughs> seems easy, right. Uh, the drawing process, I mean, at the beginning, it seems easy, right? When you study the whole value chain, the whole process, you say, okay, the drawing looks like the easiest process, right? But it's, it's not because you have uh, different conditions, weather conditions that are key. Uh, in order to keep a consistent process, drying process, right? Mm -hmm. and, if yeah. you, and if you don't have this, uh, the lack of have a good weather at that point, you can spoil all the great work you did before in the harvesting, in the fermentation, for example. So it seems like if we, if we zoom outward a little bit on Compadre's mission, the mission for you folks is to create positive impact for farmers and to really think about sustainability, not necessarily as environmental impact, even though that's important, but to think about sustainability as social, as social impact. Is that right? Yes. Um, uh, as a social entrepreneurship, we've seen that sustainability for us um, should be a, a balance, right? Because at some point we would need to work more in the social part. At some point, if we have the resources, we will work more on the technological part so we can give more sustainability to the production side and in the energetical side. And at some point we will have to say, okay, we have to reduce costs and we have to focus more on selling coffee otherwise we will die <laughs> mm -hmm. as a company and we will stop all the impact we've been building so far right so it's it's always been that among all these years it, it's been a balance it's been a, a decision making process on which part of the sustainability we have to focus now right which must be really hard because there's so many there's so many things. It yeah. seems like, especially as you get more and more involved in the coffee roasting or the coffee production um, side of things, more things come up. Um, yeah. Because I'm sure before, you know, before you started Compadre, like you weren't thinking about the drying process. Like that wasn't part of your business model. But now that you're more involved in the value chain, you're like, oh, this is actually a really key pivotal part. Um, and what I think is interesting about fo focusing on the drying of coffee is that it really focuses specifically on the farmers because a lot of coffee, I'm not sure if this is always true in Peru because I know in different countries it can kind of depend, but um, is most of the drying done on the farm? Yes. So a I lot mean, of that impact that you're focusing on is directly focusing on farmers, like that yes, giving them exactly. a tool specifically. Exactly, exactly. Yes, 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 yes. I mean, I think... One of the good things we've always uh, had is that our purpose is clear, right? So it doesn't matter how much our model pivots uh, or changes. At the end, we, we try to do something better uh, for the farmer, for the farmer, for the quality, or for the actors in the value chain that are working properly, right? So... I don't know. That's why we, 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 we change 
the way we're working. Now we are focusing on the drying process, but it's still trying to impact the farmer, right? Because he's the one to be... Well, a lot of factors would be would have this benefit from a good uh, drying process, but the farmer would be one of the main uh, beneficiaries of this. Yep. I know that this is a big question, so feel free to take it in whatever direction you want, but what do you think is your biggest success so far? Uh, to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I remember when we started the incubation program when we started Compadre because we started we won this contest and we entered this incubation program Mm -hmm. there were five uh, five other projects and the director said okay next year or maybe in two years only one of you will be alive oh wow (laughs) the other four will die and here we are I don't. I don't want to out the other companies, but did the other ones <laughs> not make it? Do you know? Um, many reasons, many and different reasons. But it's. I mean, it's, we don't need to know why. But it, it, are you the one company that stayed alive out of that whole group? Yeah, yeah. That's that's oh. what that's what what I'm trying to say. We are oh, okay. The one company where is still alive. That's that's uh, yeah. That's an accomplishment. That's huge. <laughs> yeah. What do you uh, think has kept you folks alive? Uh, I would say our commitment, um, our team, team is super important. Uh, whenever you have this kind of projects, I would say because at some point you are so disappointed by the results, and and you have this the partner that kind kind of levels you up, right? Brings you up, and you would say, okay, we're still doing this. We've done all this much. And, and we can still do it. And then maybe, I don't know, some months later, he's the partner that is down and, and you have to be the one trying to uh, uh, encourage him to keep the good work we are doing, right? Yeah. That can be really yeah. hard. Yeah. And, and another thing is that we are not afraid kind of to adapt to, to different different things to different models to different ways of work yeah it seems like you folks are always learning and you're always taking in knowledge and improving on what you've learned yeah yeah actually at some point we when we said okay we are not a tech company anymore we are more like a coffee company <laughs> so one of us should know should be the expert in coffee <laughs> and that's one that's why we uh, or I did the, this master in coffee economics and science in Italy with Anna Sofia. That's where, where I met her. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so we tried to adapt. And now we are a specialty coffee brand. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a goal to improve the lives of coffee farmers. And oh. I know that this is a very big goal, but when would you, what would be an ideal situation for you? When would you feel like your mission has been accomplished? What would the farmers have that, or what structures would be in place where you'd be like, okay, this is, this is what we were hoping for. 
Again, I know that that's a big question. <laughs> it, it is. It is. Um, I mean, I would like, I would love to have a strong value chain working with the same farmers I've been working at least like 60 or 70% of the farmers we're working with would be the same farmers we've been working since, I don't know, two or three years ago. And because that's a good indicator that you're doing a good job with them, that they are every year increasing whether their production or their income because they are improving their quality. And, and that we are also sustainable in the commercial part, that we are very stable, we, that we have strong relationships with our customers, and that we are positioned as the most or the sustainable coffee brand here in Peru. And that if someone else wants to sell a sustainable coffee, they would have to look at us and say, okay, let's try to do something similar. Let's try to have the impact they're having in order to say we are sustainable too, right? Um, yeah, that would, be, uh, that would be the vision we have. And of course, we want to close the whole experience and be closer to the final consumer that is the one who, who, have, who has to understand all of this. And we have to, we want to close it with a coffee shop, with a cafeteria, right? Mm -hmm. That hopefully it will happen soon. I think it's interesting when you have a company that focus on that focuses on social entrepreneurship because logically, at some point, your work may never be done, but the goal is almost for your work to be done. Like you don't. The the mm -hmm. the goal is that you don't you don't need compadre anymore, or you do, but like not you don't need it to be as active in improving farmers' lives because that's already been done. Like the value chain is quote unquote fixed, even though, like we were saying, that's a huge goal and maybe won't happen overnight or won't happen, you know, in six months. Um, yes. But do you think about that? Do you think about like the world that you'd create, like that doesn't need you anymore? <laughs> I mean, this question is it's so interesting uh, because a lot of times I've, I've questioned myself and it's like, okay, how, how big can, can we be, right? How, I mean, how many farmers can we impact at some point, right? It's, it's by being just one brand, right? Um, because if we are uh, social entrepreneurship, it's, it's, we are competing against huge companies that have Right. decades in, in the market, right? And that they work and, su and they have super strong uh, value chains. So how big can we be? How many uh, farmers uh, can we impact? And we see the, pro the projections and it's like, okay, we can, I don't know, impact 50 uh, farmers next year, maybe 70 uh, in two years. But it's still in a universe of 200,000 coffee farmers in Peru, <laughs> it's, it's, it's very little, right? right? So if I'm looking for impact, should I be doing this or should I be working in a huge NGO or in a, I don't know, uh, in, in another big company uh, trying to push the sustainability? 
But I think something very important is the story you can create uh, in your own company, in your own value chain, and that you can inspire other people, other companies, other people working in huge companies to start doing things similar to yeah. what you are doing. Right? If, you, if we can show that it's possible to be sustainable, to be a business and to be sustainable and responsible with, with the environment, with the, with the farmer, and that we can push technology and creativity, uh, if we demonstrate that that's possible, I, I would say that's a, a huge uh, goal that we can reach, right? It's really the story of optimism in a way. Yes. Exactly. And it's something that a lot of, I mean, our society needs a lot <laughs> in these times, right? Mm -hmm. Well, Pepe, thank you so much for taking time to chat with me. I really appreciate it. No, thanks for the invitation, Ashley. And congratulations for the great work you are doing. That is Pepe Hueche of Compadre Coffee. You can find more about Compadre by visiting their website, www.compadre.pe. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. I'm just looking for a better day. Boss Barista is produced by me, Ashley Rodriguez. You can find a transcription of this episode on my newsletter, along with an accompanying article about this episode every Thursday at bossbarista.substack.com. To support the show, you can visit www.patreon.com bossbarista. We have over 80 patrons supporting the show right now, which is incredible. And that helps keep the show alive. We pay guests through this fund, we pay for website hosting, and we make donations. Half of our patron donations are currently pledged to five different nonprofits, each at $50 a month. Asada's Daughters, the Loveland Foundation, the Native American Rights Fund, the Grocery Run Club, and the Chicago Community Bond Fund. Again, if you want to support Boss Barista, consider making a monthly donation at www.patreon.com slash bossbarista. Another amazing way to support the show is to share this episode with just one person, a friend, someone who you think would learn something from this episode, anybody. Sharing on social media is also a huge help, along with giving us a five-star review on Apple iTunes. As a small production, these things matter a lot. So if you can take a little time, share out some of your favorite quotes from this episode, and tag us, that would be amazing we're at boss barista podcast on instagram and boss underscore barista on twitter you can also send me an email at boss podcast at gmail.com thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week <laughs>